Well, before we share the Lord's Supper together this morning, I would like you to turn in your Bible, if you have a Bible with you. Uh, if you don't, there are Bibles in the chairs in front of you, or you can just follow along as I read. But we're looking at Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 15 this morning. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 15. As many of you know, I have been preaching through the book of Ephesians and we are now in chapter 6 in that great section on spiritual warfare and the armor of God. And we have been looking at the armor of God that we are commanded to put on one piece at a time. We are looking at the armor one piece at a time. And we come this morning to the shoes of the gospel of peace. And so if I could, I would like to start by just reading verses 13 through 15 of Ephesians 6. The Apostle Paul writes, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and... As shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Well, our first point this morning is the shoes of readiness. We have looked at the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness, and now the shoes of readiness. Again, in verse 15, notice carefully it says, And as shoes for your feet having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. This verse, as the other parts of the armor have, speak of a Roman soldier. These verses, or excuse me, this verse speaks of the shoes or the boots that were worn by a Roman soldier. Shoes were absolutely essential in fighting. We know today in athletics that athletes very carefully choose the shoes that they wear. The shoes that you wear for basketball are different than the cleats that you wear for football. And the cleats that you wear for football are slightly different than the cleats that you might wear for soccer or for baseball. And if the function of certain shoes is important to an athlete, you can imagine how important it would be if you're fighting for your life. Roman soldiers wore hobnailed shoes. They were specifically designed to be sure-footed in battle. They had a thick base made of wood or leather and often had short spikes that were inserted into the bottom of the shoes in order to give the soldier extra traction on inclines or in bad weather, even on the slickest ground. They could stand in hand-to-hand combat and not slip. And that's the image that I want you to have in your mind this morning as they are standing firm. They've got those spiked shoes firmly planted in the ground in hand-to-hand combat with an opposing soldier. One writer said this. He said, wars have been lost. Wars have been lost because soldiers didn't have adequate shoes. And so Paul used the shoes of the Roman soldier to remind us of the importance of having a firm foundation. This is really an interesting verse. It says, 
that the shoes for our feet is the readiness given by the gospel of peace. I am preaching this morning from the English Standard Version of the Bible, the ESV. And the ESV happens to have an excellent translation of verse 15. In fact, of all the English translations I'm aware of, I think the ESV has the best translation of what this verse is actually saying. Now, I say that to you because I know that many of you here this morning have heard other sermons or sermon series on the armor of God. And more than any of the other pieces of armor, the meaning of this particular piece, the shoes, has been the subject of some debate. Some commentaries over the years, even up to this current day, have understood this verse to mean that we are always to be prepared to preach the gospel, to preach the gospel of peace. Now, let me immediately say there are other verses in the Bible that absolutely command us to always be ready to preach the gospel. But I don't think that's what this is saying. And that may be different for some of you, so I want to be sensitive to that this morning. A close look at this passage has caused many commentators to see it in a different way. So our second point this morning is a correct understanding. The correct understanding of verse 15 appears to be this. The foundation for our fighting in the spiritual battle is the settled peace that we have in Christ. Again, notice, as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. We have assurance and confidence in the midst of spiritual conflict because we are at peace with God. We used to be enemies of God. We used to be under the wrath of God. We used to be under the judgment of God. Ephesians tells us in Ephesians chapter 2, we were without hope and without God in the world. But because we have placed our trust in the all-sufficient sacrificial death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and in that alone, all of our sins have been forgiven. We have been assured of a place in heaven, and we are at peace with God. We who were once enemies with God are now at complete peace with Him. Since the gospel means good news, the gospel of peace is simply the good news of peace. Oh, there is one verse outside of verse 15 that really nails it. Talk about the Bible, explaining the Bible. One verse just really explains verse 15, and that is Romans chapter 5 and verse 1. It says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, notice, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Having been justified, having been declared righteous in the sight of God through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we have peace with God, and we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The good news, folks, the good news is that we are at peace with God. We are on His side. And we are reconciled to Him. 
In 2 Corinthians 5.19, the Apostle Paul says, In Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. I want you to notice that middle phrase, not counting their trespasses against them. No longer are are our sins being held against us. If you will notice in your English translation, verses 14 and 15 are one sentence beginning with the phrase, stand therefore. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. And I say that because there is a logical, biblical flow here. They build on one another. You have put on, fastened on, the belt of truth. The truth about God. The truth about Christ. The truth about your salvation. As explained to us and revealed to us in the word of God. And then we put on the breastplate of righteousness. We have, the Bible teaches us, the transferred righteousness of Christ, the imputed righteousness of Christ is ours at the time of our salvation. And the breastplate is living out who we actually are. It is seeking to live a righteous life because we are righteous in Christ. It is our practice matching our position. And so, we have the belt of truth. We know the truth. We're seeking to live a righteous life, and we know. We know because of that that we are at peace with God. The Bible teaches us that. Our righteous life reminds us of that. We have peace with God. Notice verse 15 doesn't just say that our feet are fitted with the gospel of peace. They are fitted with the readiness given by the gospel of peace. We must constantly keep in mind that Satan is the destroyer of peace. His purpose in coming to earth was to bring division, conflict among men, and conflict within your own soul, conflict with God, separation from God that began with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. So when we do combat with the devil, we need to have an implement of warfare that will enable us to withstand that particular attack. Satan wants to rob you of the assurance of your salvation. He wants to cause inner turmoil within your own soul so that you do not experience that settled peace with God. And the implement to use, according to Ephesians 6.15, is having our feet fitted firm with the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Remember, we are not in a battle with people. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood. We are in a battle against the realm of thoughts and attitudes. As I shared with you a couple of weeks ago, how many of our spiritual battles take place in the mind. Struggles with our thought life. And so it is important that we are equipped daily 
putting on a settled peace with God that is already ours in Christ. Much of the spiritual battle takes place in the realm of our outlook on life, our worldview. Your worldview is going to drive how you behave and how you understand how, who you are in Christ. It is not the situation in which we find ourselves that is critical, but how we look at the situation and the power of Christ. Let me say that again. It is not the situation in which you find yourself that is critical, but how you look at that situation in the power of Christ. We are always to remember that in Jesus Christ, we have peace. In Ephesians 2.14, speaking of Christ, it says this. It's beautiful. Don't miss it. For he himself is our peace. Jesus Christ is our peace with God. We have Jesus. We have trusted alone in his sacrificial death and resurrection. And we are at peace with God. And as we appropriate that truth into our lives, we can go into battle and be victorious. For some of you history buffs here this morning, you will know that during the darkest days of World War II, the people of London, England, and the people of Great Britain would turn on their radios and they would listen to one man's voice ringing out over the airwaves. And of course, that man was Winston Churchill. His voice was strong and inspirational. And he strengthened the morale of the people of Great Britain time and time again in some of their darkest days as a nation. Brothers and sisters in Christ, that's what Jesus does for us. That is what Jesus does for us. He comes in the midst of the struggle. When the battle is unbearable and the circumstances seem impossible in our lives, through the word of God, through the word of God, he gives us our morale and keeps us fighting. He boosts us when we need boosting. He gives us courage when we need courage. He gives us his courage. He is our peace. And that is the foundation upon which we must do battle. Sometimes, not all the time, sometimes there is a song or a hymn that just really captures a verse or passage of Scripture. And that is true with verse 15. That great hymn written by Horatio Spafford, It Is Well With My Soul, is what verse 15 is all about. Folks, if you want to remember what verse 15 is all about. It is no matter what you go through, no matter what you are enduring, you can get a firm foundation and say with all of your heart, it is well with my soul. In the midst of your suffering, in the midst of your conflict, in the midst of your turmoil, you can say, it is well with my soul. Listen again to the first three verses of that great hymn. Just listen. He writes, When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well 
it is well with my soul. Though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate and hath shed his own blood for my soul. My sin. Oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, oh, my soul. Yes, yes, we can say it is well. It is well with my soul. As shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. That is the relationship of the shoes to the rest of the armor. So our third point is this. Put your shoes on. Put your shoes on. The spikes of the gospel of peace give you firm firm footing when the assaults of Satan are poured out upon you. Satan wants you to doubt your salvation. He wants you to lack assurance about your salvation. He wants you to live in fear. He wants you to live in doubt. Now, let me quickly say this. There are some people who should doubt their salvation. There are some professing Christians who live in open sin without remorse or repentance. But that is another sermon for another day. If you have a clear testimony of salvation, if you are striving after Christ and the righteousness that is yours in him, then this piece of armor, then this piece of armor will help you to remain firm-footed when the attacks of the evil one come. Most importantly, having your feet fitted with the readiness given by the gospel of peace gives us confidence and boldness in battle. In Hebrews 13, 20, God is called the God of peace. In 2 Thessalonians 3, 16, it says, Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. In Isaiah 26, chapter 3, or excuse me, in chapter 26, verse 3 of Isaiah, it says, You will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. Jesus said in John 14, 27, in the upper room, shortly before he goes to the cross, he says to his disciples, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. And as shoes for your feet, having put on, the readiness given by, given by the gospel of peace. As we take the bread and the cup together this morning, my prayer is this, that as you think about the death and resurrection of Christ, you will be able to say with great confidence, it is well, it is well with my soul. At this time, we will share the Lord's Supper together.